Hey guys, and welcome to this episode of Onset with Errol Koenig. I'm Errol Koenig. This week, we have an awesome guest, screenwriter, director, producer, and Johns Hopkins professor, Matthew Porterfield. He has worked on indie films including Hamilton, Putty Hill, I Used to Be Darker, and the upcoming film, Soller's Point. In this episode, we talk about how he got his start filmmaking and the process of getting his films into the film festival circuit. So here's my interview with Matthew Porterfield. Thank you so much, Professor Porterfield, for joining me on my podcast. So I guess start off by introducing yourself and tell me a little bit about what you do. Thank you, Errol. Um, I am a writer, director, occasional producer Mm -hmm. based in Baltimore. Um, I've written and directed four full-length films, um, a couple of shorts. I work mostly in Baltimore, mm-hmm. uh, though I studied at NYU, and I teach mostly production at Johns, Hop- Johns Hopkins University. Okay, cool. So uh, I guess to start off, um, let's, you work a lot with your films. They're, they're very independent. Uh, mm-hmm. they're, they're independent films, and a lot of people that I've talked to before are working on uh, you know, not, they aren't necessarily the director writers, but they're people that are working on much larger budget films. Like I talked to uh, a last, I think uh, last time Emma Nidell, mm-hmm. uh, who was a writer who was working on a film, who's writing a film uh, for Oprah and for Disney, which is a bigger scale than the stuff you do. However, you have received a lot of acclaim uh, for your smaller work, and you've done the uh, the festival circuit uh, a couple times. So, can you talk about what it's like working on an independent film? Mm-hmm. Emily was a student of mine. Uh, it's it's great. She's she's writing so much. Um, uh, I guess for me, I don't know. Independence is a kind of ethos. It's like how I maintain um, the freedom to tell the stories I want, and in Baltimore, mm-hmm. cast who I like. Um, you know, I. I've never, I mean, film is expensive, but uh, I've never sought to produce um, anything that, that felt like outside of the scope um, of the resources that I had available. I mean, each mm-hmm. project gets a little bit bigger, but the key for me as a young filmmaker was writing scripts that, you know, I could make with my friends mm-hmm. um, for just a little bit of money and, you know... Uh, the cost of a camera rental for just a few days and I I still sort of hold to that like the idea that you know even if your script um, you know could be budgeted at you know let's say a million dollars you maintain the sort of flexibility uh, to to make it for for a lot less by sort Mm -hmm. of understanding what the seed of the project is what it is at the essence you know yeah um so, so you mentioned that like you do the films for you know about a million dollars less. Um, so, al- although that you know compared to some of the bigger films, it's not that huge of a budget. Uh, as an independent filmmaker, you still need to find ways to get that money. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so you can make your film. Can you? Uh, how how do you go about doing that? Well, we've done all kinds of things. I mean, the bulk of the money, bulk of the financing, is private equity, which is true. Um, of independent films on sort of every budget level in the U.S. Uh, it's mostly individuals with money that uh, they invest, mm-hmm. knowing that the, 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 the risk is high uh, for a return on that investment. 
Um, we've done some crowdsourcing at various stages of, of production. Um, once we did it to finish a film, we'd been able to get in the can um, before a festival uh, premiere. Mm-hmm. Um, we used Kickstarter for that and raised about 25000 And then mm-hmm. um, on another feature, we, we uh, raised some money just before um, production, uh, like the last $50,000 we needed to really greenlight. Um, mm-hmm. We've done co-productions, which is something I'm, I'm really interested in, uh, meaning we've found uh, basically government money in Europe mm-hmm. um, in exchange for spending that money in the territory okay. where it was where it was received. So in my last feature, Solar's Point, um, we got about 150,000 euro from uh, Centre National du Cinema in France and uh, spent that um, on post in, in Paris. Mm-hmm. So that's a way, I think it's, it's interesting to sort of collaborate um, with, glo- with uh, international producers and, and, and do a piece of the project, whether it's the production or the post-production um, overseas, which it kind of excites me. Yeah. So how do you get those people, either the foreign governments, like in, like, like in Paris, or uh, get, crowd, crowd people, get people to get interested through crowdfunding or you know, independent investors, how do you get them interested in you know working with you on a project? Mm-hmm. I think it's really important, um, you know, maybe before even the script is finished, to have some language about the film you're trying to make. Mm-hmm. Um, to have some images, perhaps, perhaps they're original, um, maybe they're reference images. I usually put together a deck or a package that I can put, like that, that I can share with potential collaborators or. Mm-hmm investors um, and that'll have you know everything from a simple log line synopsis sort of creative statement from me and my producers maybe uh, you know ideas like what like give them an idea of what my intent is and then some some pictures mm-hmm. uh, and I think that goes goes a long way I mean it, you need to be able to talk about your film write about your film and feel like kind of confident sharing with others sort of sort of your basic like reasoning sort of mm-hmm. um, behind making it so that you can get them excited and um, wanting to be in- involved. It's just kind of like share the, the passion that you have for the project. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that requires a little bit of you know, a little bit of thought and time. The language you know can be used for everything from you know, the kind of deck or package that I mentioned, which is might live online or have you know in printed form. Mm-hmm. Um, to sort of verbal pitch, which we hear so much about. It's like, you know, that same language can be used in conversation, whether it's a formal um, kind of uh, a formal meeting or it's a conversation in a cafe. Uh, that same language can be really useful for grant applications, which mm-hmm. is another source of funding for films on the, on the indie, mm-hmm. indie level. Okay, uh, so you have you know you have worked on a, a bunch of uh, these films, uh, four features, uh, mm-hmm. one short, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so out of those, um, what are some of I guess what, what's like one that you're most proud of, or you know your favorite, or mm-hmm. and, and I'm sure they're like children, so like they're all your favorite. But which ones you really feel a connection to? Um, I, I really you know I, I've been thinking a lot about my first film, mm-hmm. uh, Hamilton, which. You know, it was really micro budget and shot on sixteen millimeter, uh, and my 
most recent picture, Solar's Point, shares some similarities, sort of like some images, light motifs mm-hmm. with that first film, Hamilton. And I, I, I don't know, it's nice to reconnect with that work. Um, so I'm, that one's really special to me, but maybe your first always is. I don't know. Um, but as you said, I, I do, I do like them all. The short I made in Berlin was a really mm-hmm. different experience for me. It was really exciting to work with an all-European um, cast and crew. Uh, in some ways, you know, with each film, I like to try to take risks and challenge myself. And working with new people can can, mm-hmm. can challenge you in good, in my, luckily, in my case, good ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think those two jump out okay. for me. All right, well, uh, you, you mentioned the short you made in Berlin. That's uh, Take What You Can Carry, correct? Yes. Uh, so that uh, went on to uh, be a nominated uh, to be nominated at the Berlin International Film Festival. Yes. Uh, and a lot of your films, you know, have been in a lot of these festivals and mm-hmm. have done well. Uh, are, can you talk about, you know, the, uh, the process of uh, applying to festivals and, you know, w- kind of what the experience is like once you're in there, once you, you know, start getting attention for yeah. what you've made? Yeah, I mean, with my first film, you know, no, I hadn't made anything. Nobody knew who I was. I didn't have any connections at any festivals, even locally. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I just, the film was finished, and I submitted it blindly and uh, received a lot of rejections. Um, this is Hamilton, my first feature again. But uh, uh, the film premiered um, at the Wisconsin Film Festival in 2006. It was my first festival, and it was an incredible experience. Um uh, that film played a few other festivals, mm-hmm. little regional ones, uh, one kind of inter- international festival in Vienna, mm-hmm. um, eventually had a, a theatrical release in New York, uh, which got some press. So by the time the second film came around, there was like, it was like, it's mm-hmm. like some programmers uh, who hadn't known my work or my name um, knew me this the second time around and I, in fact we we i remember i got a uh, a message on facebook from a, from a programmer mm-hmm. at berlin who had seen hamilton never played berlin it wasn't invited uh who was inquiring like what what i was working on now and, mm-hmm. and or next and i had this film putty hill in post-production so we sent it to him he ended up programming it and after that you know people started to kind of take notice in a way it's unfair but I will say that once you play a festival, it's like the the gates are open. If you play mm-hmm. a sort of top tier festival, or even a good you know regional festival, we're talking about um, the American scene. Uh, programmers go, uh, and if they don't, they're paying attention to what other festivals are programming. So they'll they'll remember your name, remember the work. Over time, mm-hmm. it's like you don't you don't have to pay for every festival submission, you know, fees are waived. It's like, as you begin to establish a career, mm-hmm. it's a little easier. Um, I don't know that it should necessarily be that way. Um, it's, I feel like it's, it's unfortunate mm-hmm. that um, most of the, you know, festival submission fees are being paid by filmmakers with little to no resources, yeah. you know, um, first timers. But that's kind of how it works. Um, festivals are a great place to meet other filmmakers, producers... Mm-hmm. Uh, again, programmers, critics, um, and uh, and be part of a kind of, especially the international ones, sort of global dialogue about cinema. And that for me is kind of my favorite thing about traveling to festivals. I can have conversations with people working in um, 
Latin America or Scandinavia or Asia um, uh, about cinema and find similarities and differences. But, uh, you know, what I've come to realize is that, like, we're on an indie level, no matter where you're based in the world, you're kind of all sort of dealing with variations on the same mm-hmm. same challenge or, or set of challenges. Yeah. So going back to, uh, you know, your start. So you, you went mm-hmm. to NYU. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you talk a little bit about, you know, what the experience was like at NYU and how you went from there to, you know, making your own, your own features? Well, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't start as a film major. I transferred into the film program. Um, I'd always been interested in photography and theater in particular mm-hmm. and fine arts and kind of the natural world and I love films but uh, I love watching movies but I never had like a camera growing up or anything like that uh, but I had some friends my freshman year who were in the film program and I was mm-hmm. like wow I could do this I wonder what, the, what this would be like and so I transferred got in did uh, a couple years um, you know I, I, I'm, I would say the most you know valuable the most valuable things I got from that experience were collaborators. Like I met a mm-hmm. lot of people, some of whom I still work with, and access to the technology to kind of to mm-hmm. understand the, the technology, the tools of filmmaking. But I didn't make any work at the time that I was particularly proud of. And after I left NYU, I don't know, I just didn't really want to work in the industry. Mm-hmm. So I taught kindergarten for four years. Mm. which was creative, yeah. but in different ways. And then I decided I want to move back to Baltimore and try to write and direct a film of my own. And that was, that was Hamilton. It took, a, it took a while, and you know we had no money, but I was lucky to be able to call on a couple of my friends from NYU who, you mm-hmm. know, in their four years since college, uh, gained a lot of experience. Um, Filmmaking, so I was kind of coming at it with a degree of sort of naivete, but like I had a really good cinematographer, a really mm-hmm. good sound recordist, a really good team, and a producer who I still work with. Yeah. And uh, you know, if it weren't for them, I, I, you know, I don't know. But they were willing to take a risk. They liked the script, and though it took some time mm-hmm. um, and some money in the end, uh, it was a big investment. It it paid off as you know, it, it was a film that kind of. Uh, it got me in the door, so to speak. So, uh, would you recommend uh, like a similar path to other, uh, you know, to, to like future filmmakers, to film students? I mean, granted, you are biased because you did go to film school and you mm-hmm. are now currently a film instructor mm-hmm. uh, at you know a university with a pretty good film department. Um, but would would you recommend a path like that for you know another up and coming filmmaker to to go to to go to school for film and then you know mm-hmm. branch off from that? Yeah, I mean, I think if you're in school, if you're lucky to go to film school, um, if that's the choice you make, then then you know, I think you really want to foster relationships that you with people that you meet while you're there and take advantage of um, all the technology, like learn all the equipment, try to like experience different roles in production. I mean, of mm-hmm. course, there's going to be um, areas in the filmmaking process that you don't really connect with don't Mm -hmm. interest you that you don't find yourself particularly suited uh for i mean i certainly had that experience um but uh yeah meet people try things write read scripts watch movies i mean those are things you can do on your own i really think Mm -hmm. school 
gives you access to um, hopefully like physical resources, space, and other people who are interested yeah. in, in filmmaking. And then when you graduate, I would say, you know, think about the areas that, that interest you and try to work with people who are doing that, you know, like professional, if you want to produce some intern at a production company, work with producers. Uh, if you want to go in the agency world, then you probably want to uh, get a job, a uh, low-level job at an agency. Mm-hmm. Read as many scripts as you can. If you're interested in television, you know, then that's a different direction. Yeah. Um, if you really want to, like, DP, then you got to get yourself, I think, you have to shoot projects, mm-hmm. like, meet directors, put to, like, whether it's, like, like little specs or music videos or your friend's shorts. Um, you want to be creating a body of work, but also... Uh, working with professionals. So you might, Mm -hmm. like, work in the camera department as uh, maybe a PA and then a second camera assistant and then a first AC. And -hmm. then, you know, you're going to glean from those experiences uh, so much valuable stuff that that before long you'll be, you know, you may still be working as a second or first AC professionally, but you'll also then have, um, be shooting on the side, be be DPing mm-hmm. stuff for for other people, and I think it's just like, yeah, do just kind of build a body of work. Don't be scared to um, move to a city with a healthy industry um, mm-hmm. to get that experience. Um, join groups wherever you're based. You know, uh, like I don't know, attend workshops. Um, just kind of like socialize with other filmmakers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think. In some ways, New York is still kind of the best place for that, uh, because you know there's a healthy indie film scene in New York. It's small enough that you can really get to know people in a, a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. And if you're if you prove yourself as like capable and hardworking and creative, then um, you start getting jobs, and mm-hmm. you'll be able to, I guess. A, support the cost of living there you know it's it's not cheap but i think it's a yeah it's a good place to be it's different than la la is like you got to work in a production company or in a mm-hmm. studio if you want a crew if you want to go through like find your work your way up through making production stuff. and making stuff i think new york's a little better okay yeah um so i guess as we wrap up two two last questions uh one what are a couple i guess must-see films uh, that a student or a filmmaker, uh, a student or, or a filmmaker, uh, someone that wants to learn how to be a writer, director, maybe producer, should see? Oh, um, well, gosh. Uh, uh, writer, director, producer. I mean, I think right now, you know, it dep- again, it depends kind of like what kind of films you want to make, what you're drawn mm-hmm. to. I mean, there's going to be things you like, things you don't like. Um, you know, right now, if you're a writer and you want to make a living and do exciting work, I think and try to probably try to find your way into television. You know, so that's like watching television, mm-hmm. reading pilots. Yeah. Reading are, are, are there any TV shows in particular? Maybe for uh, lean more towards you know your expertise as an, as an indie filmmaker. Is there any, I guess, more indie TV shows or any indie movies that you would recommend? I mean, I'm really excited about. I really like the first season of Atlanta, mm-hmm. which did feel like an in, indie yeah. film in yeah. serial form. I thought it was really great. 
um, movies. There's a film actually that is here in Baltimore now, and um, it's probably going to win an Oscar called Tony Erdman mm-hmm. uh, by Marin Ada that I think is really really great film uh, uh, that I'd recommend anybody seeing. Um, check out this indie stuff that's like kind of making a splash. So whether that's Moonlight, yeah. which will hopefully win some Oscars as well. Yes. Uh, and premiered at um, sort of sidebar at the Toronto National International Film Festival. Mm-hmm. Or like the buzz about indies at Sundance each year. Like try to watch those films, maybe get a hold of those scripts. Think about like, okay, what are people... You know, you might not like all the films that like win the audience award or the jury awards at festivals like Sundance, right? Mm-hmm. But if you can go to festivals, you know, what that means, like, as a student especially, like, volunteering in exchange for some tickets, see as much as you can. Like, what are people talking about? What are people making? What is getting out there? Meaning, like, what's getting sold? Who's buying? And then how is it being seen? Those kind of things. I mean, I think I I pay attention to the festivals. Mm -hmm. I'm often disappointed about some of the most hyped about films Mm -hmm. from every festival, but I still want to know, like what it is that people are responding to. So I think that's like, like yeah, you should be trying to see, like, I would say every, everything that, like, has a good buzz, that sounds, like, intriguing to you out of Sundance, um, that you can when it, when it sees a release this year. Likewise, you know, if you find, I mean, maybe more to, to love it can, then you pay attention to those films that are, mm-hmm. Uh, those smaller films that are getting bought and then distributed yeah. in the U.S. I mean, yeah, I don't know. There's so much to see. It's like I think you have to. F- I think honestly, you just have to trust your kind of your taste, mm-hmm. um, because that's what's gonna drive you to make original work. It's like I don't know. You, you know, you can pay attention to what other people are talking about, but but ultimately, you're gonna the more you watch, the more you're gonna find that like. Some things really excite you and other things don't. And it's like really trying to find a way into making the kind of films that, that, that excite you, being okay. a part part of those projects. All right, final question. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is one piece of advice? We could narrow everything down to one little tidbit that you'd give to an aspiring filmmaker, a student filmmaker. Uh, what would you tell them? Mm, I guess I would say that it's really wise to remember people. Mm-hmm. Um, not just names, but like, you know, make just make real connections because this is mm-hmm. an industry where relationships are everything. And you're not going to get yeah. along with everyone. I'm not saying like, <laughs> I'm not saying like, be a fake but like you know try to make you know take advantage of the opportunities you have Mm -hmm. to meet other people in the industry and and just hold on to those encounters because you know you never know what you know that kid your age you met at a Mm -hmm. social function or um, took a class with is going to be doing in five years and 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 it's not just opportunistic I think it's like it's 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 such a small I mean film 
if you start to, especially if you start to like get exposed to the industries outside of the United States, you begin mm-hmm. to realize that like cinema in a weird way is like a nation and yeah. it's kind of a small nation and you want to, you know, you want to be kind and stay connected to your fellow, fellow citizens. Mm-hmm. It's just like, yeah, cultivate good social skills. I think that's kind of like the best right. advice I can give. Great. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. You're welcome, Meryl. Thanks for the time. That was my interview with Matthew Porterfield. Thanks again to Professor Porterfield for joining me on my podcast. Finally, if you like the podcast, give us a good rating and subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud. And don't forget to like our Facebook page to stay updated. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time on set.